The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Oh, it is ah. a Monday. You trying to jump in on my ah? ah. What, are you doing? what are you doing? What are you doing? It is a Monday. No, I was just concurring. I was, I was harmonizing the ah. Ah. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. In which Keith Brake will be the first time in a Monday. long time. I am not going up to watch tonight's game. You not going to Asheville for a SoCon tournament game? Nope. You, the college basketball sicko, is it because you've got tickets for Cats? Uh, That's tomorrow. I am going to Cats tomorrow. Uh, I did that on purpose because, you know, I thought we'd be playing Monday. We're not. Uh, I saw last year's game, which, you know, for a lot of people's definitions, probably a classic or at least Mm -hmm. the ending. And it's a rematch. And I had to sit and watch, you know, Chattanooga win one, which is just – I, I can't do. Then you got, you know, Furman, who uh, all intents and purposes were, I think, the odds-on favorite to win it going in. Had some trials and tribulations, but have started to turn it back on, and we can talk about them in just a minute yes, getting into the title sure game. Can. We can talk about Chattanooga in there. But long story short, I'm not going to the game. Uh, I'm actually going to watch uh, my daughter play a couple of volleyball matches, and then I will go home and finish watching the rest of the game. On TV, so good I'm for just you. You're, be a you're, man. you're taking family you're man taking Giles' advice. Go home and be a family man. That's yes, that's what I'm going to do. So that that was Guile, right? In Street Fighter, it's like go home and be a family man. I think that was him. I know who he is because I played Street Fighter. I don't know that. Uh... Well, you remember that he was played uh, rather infamously by Jean Claude oh, Van, Van Damme in I the do movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, <laughs> and I have seen that. I have seen. That. I, this is actually a reference that I uh, and Bison was played by uh, Raul Julia. Of all people. That was his last role on screen because his kids wanted him to do it. Or maybe it was his grandkids. I can't remember. But yeah, I was just like, I just did that to make the little ones happy. I was like, really good. Good for good him. Good for you. Yeah, that's what but I'm doing for today. Me, it was Tuesday. I'm going to make uh, my little one happy by watching her play a little volleyball today. So we'll watch that. I'll end up doing it. But uh, it's one of those, all right, where do we start? Let's start. Uh, let's go with men because we just already talked about it. It's already kind of where we led with it. A little bit. Uh, again, four out of six years now, the seven or ten winner has knocked off a two. This one a little bit different because Jake Stevens, who was kind of rumored in, rumored out, talked to a lot of people that thought he was still out and heard a rumor from, and I don't even, I'm not even really making this up, but I believe it was like the equipment manager's mother's cousin <laughs> uh, told somebody who came to me and said, hey, I heard this. What have you heard? And I said, well, I've, I've not heard that. I heard it's been up in the air. I know that when I saw a picture of Stevens last, he had, was not wearing the big massive brace. He was down yep. to a little thumb-type brace. And so I thought, well, because he was at the women's game supporting UTC's women. So I yep. saw him with that small brace, and I thought, well, that is a small brace. That is a shot maybe to go. But um, until I saw it, and then when warm-ups, he came out for warm-ups, and I thought, okay. Uh, I guess he's going to go because I doubt they put him in warm-ups for show, although that would be classic. Let people think he's going to go and then not play. But he has not missed a beat, and he was incredible uh, really in the three games they've won. But now they got to try to do something no other Southern Conference team has done, which is win 
four in a row. This is very Correct. similar to Wofford yeah. when they were the seventh seed, the yep. defending champion, and they lost to ETSU in the championship game, so it's a similar path. We have enough legs in them. And then for Furman, you know, they had a little bit of a struggle in the first half against Mercer and then wore out Mercer once they slapped the press on them, which I've seen Furman token press it or press a couple possessions, but they went full-on press, which I didn't really know that was something they could do. And I thought it was a nice bit of coaching by Bob Ritchie to do that, lead them to victory. And then, as normal, after ETSU loses, I just refuse to watch hoops for a day. So, I've had to play catch-up today on the Western Carolina game. And a couple things that stuck out there was how did Furman – you know, blows probably a a bit strong. But they had a 20-point lead. And they didn't hang on to that. And then Russell Jones Jr. has a shot um, at the buzzer to try to win it. Wasn't a very good look. Didn't hit it. And – it was one of those moments, I'm sure, for Furman fans where they kind of held their breath because they got beat on a buzzer beater last year. And like, no, this can't happen again. Then they go to overtime, and a lot of people talking about a lot of things. Uh, Woolbright got the benefit of, I thought, a, a pretty bad call and was able to hit a couple free throws. But it's also hard if you're a Western fan to think about that because it was like 46 to 19 free throw difference. Yeah, and I get that some teams sometimes are more aggressive than others, but forty-six to nineteen in a game is a bit, a bit much. Um, there's a lot of things there. I mean, Slauson fouled out in regulation, the Player of the Year. I mean, there's just uh, that. That was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot going on there. There was a lot of calls that I think, for the first time in a long time, there were more whistles in that than maybe in the last like 10 championship games combined like it was incredible the amount of whistles and a lot normally you don't get that i'll be curious to see what type of game will be called today neither team's particularly physical firm or chat so maybe that won't lead to a uh a lot yeah yeah. but uh, I, I don't know it, it was a lot um but yeah I, I just i feel like i mean when Furman shoots 46 free throws it's a lot that's that's a a, 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 an astonishing amount. And it was the one that, and I think it, I think it might be the Woolbright one that you're talking about, where he leans in on a three that's clearly not his shot and it's not going to get anywhere close, but he's trying to draw contact against somebody. I think that was him. I don't remember if that was him. It might have been somebody else. But uh, they call that a foul. And that's now, I mean, I don't know if that's against the rules in college hoops anymore, but it's definitely against the rules in the NBA now. And they did it because... It's kind of a safety issue. Um, uh, actually, it might have been Peggy. I think it was Peggy's. Peggy's did it. Um, Peggy's was the one that because they were down one with 28 seconds left, and he leans into a, a defender that's straight up in a legal guarding position, and he gets hit, and the refs call it a foul. And by the rule book, I don't know if that is still a foul in college basketball or not. Um, it should. It's one that I wouldn't want to call but I have seen it called this year Andrea Bailey got one uh, against Giselle Thomas in at Sanford in Homewood and she hurt her knee on it and had to leave the game and missed the next game as a result and her team got smacked by Chattanooga so like you hurt your team by doing that because you potentially injured yourself but when it works hey it can change the outcome of a basketball game um yeah I, I absolutely think Furman shot shooting 27 more free throws is is a lot, and that sort of disparity is uh, 
a lot. It definitely raises some eyes when you're like, hey, why is it like this? Because if it's like it's all if it's all by like seven, eight, maybe ten, you're thinking, wow, that team was just sloppy on defense, or that team just you know was too physical. But when it's when it's twenty seven, I always ask this question: If you're on the other side of that, if Western Carolina shot forty six free throws, how would the Furman fans feel? They'd be outraged, right? And and that's the point. Like I think to me, you. Uh, the only game I've been a part of, and it was not in that magnitude, was ETSU and Tennessee Tech, and I think it was uh, Forbes' first year, and I think ETSU shot like eight free throws, and it was 30-something, 40-something attempts to eight, or something ridiculous. And at some point, you just you just laugh. Well, I, I went through one of those uh, on Thursday with a women's game. Sanford only shot 12 free throws, but ETSU only shot two. Yeah, two, that's right. And they got those with like 340 left in the game. So, yeah, I it's just it's at some point like those things you think law of averages it, it balances itself out a little bit, uh, even relative to whether a team's playing good defense, bad defense, whatever. Uh, and it just that just did not happen. It did not happen. Well, it's that that was one of the again now i am a firm believer like there's a lot of things that go on like western had a chance to win it in the end right and i think Furman did a good job of trying to take Woolbright away who was unbelievable 30 points uh 11 rebounds five assists 11 and 19 shooting eight of 10 from the stripe i mean he was as good you know as as i've seen him i know he had another 30-point game, and that was the one where Trey Jackson went bonkers, and he almost forgot about Woolbright's 30-point. But I, I thought he was tremendous in there. Claude with a double-double was great. Trey Jackson with 22. You know, Mike Bothwell did Mike Bothwell-type things uh, with mm-hmm. 26 points, and he's had a tremendous tournament. I think another uh, guy that I felt like in the Mercer game that was huge backing up was Garrett Heen. He hit two or three threes that yep. I thought were huge. Yeah. You know, not particularly – they were kind of run stoppers where Mercer would get up, all of a sudden Heen would hit a big three. Um, I thought there was another uh, – a couple threes. I think he had a dunk in there as well. So, I, I thought he was tremendous in that. And then I thought it was J.P. Pagese in the next game. So, they've had done a good job, Furman, of having a couple different guys besides Slauson and Bothwell step up and make big Absolutely. Plays. Absolutely. They've had a lot more depth than most of the teams in the SOCON have had all year long and that's why they are where they that's why you know Furman and Sanford were the one and the two is because they were the deepest teams in the conference and now Chattanooga had probably the conference's best player he wasn't the player of the year because we've we've gone into that before I don't really want to rehash it but the you see these teams late in the year it's because you either have disproportionately high depth or disproportionately high star power and you see Furman that's got a little of both. Samford had the depth. Chattanooga had the star power. And there you go. Um, and now we're going to see Furman up against Jake Stevens. It's really the fighting Jake Stevens is this year. Is, is what this is. And Stevens looked phenomenal uh, against uh, Samford. He, he's really been really strong all tournament. And just to come back... And to be immediately impactful in that way speaks volumes about how good of a player he is in absolute terms. And I 
look forward to seeing him be tournament MVP, I guess. I mean, of all the guys, and I know you hate chat, and I, I don't have a lot of love for Chattanooga either. But at the same time, be pretty cool to see Jake Stevens go through that and then get rewarded with being the tournament MVP at the end of it all if Chattanooga wins it tonight. Well, if Chattanooga wins it tonight, it's probably a foregone conclusion. I would assume at this point that he would be the player of the tournament, and it would be a nice story. And to be honest with you, I've, I've said it, you know, I feel bad for a guy that, you know, kind of lived in obscurity there for a while in Lexington, Virginia, and then everyone kind of scoffed. Well, let's see what he does when he goes – you know, to to a different team, and I don't know what, why that would be different, but he does go to Chattanooga where expectations are higher. They're coming off a tournament, right? Their coach just left, took a power job. He goes with Dan Earl, which clearly knows the system, and it's a different animal because now expectations are on Jake Stevens to produce, and all he did was produce till he got hurt. He worked hard to get back. He's been back. He has been incredible. It'd be a great storybook ending for – Bob Ritchie and Furman, they've had a documentary crew or whatever follow them around for this NCAA tournament journey. So that would be a storybook that the documentary crew picked, you know, a, a great time to make a run. And they've done a great job, Furman, especially late in the year, of making plays and looking dominant at times when they need to. Yes, they survived, you know, ETSU at their place. They survived Mercer at their place. They throttled Sanford, and they survived – you know, Western Carolina, but that's what good teams do. You know, good teams win that. Eventually, you're not just lucky and, you know, tripping up into these games, right? Like, you have players that know how to win and have been around for a while. And for Furman, the last thing for them is the mountaintop, uh-huh. right? 43 years, give or take, I think. Um, I think it might be exactly 43 years since they've been to the tournament. So, Today, you know, we're recording on Monday, so tonight's the night. They get an opportunity to do that. And for Chattanooga, you know, as far as teams that are left in Southern Conference, they've been to the dance the most of any Southern Conference team. So they got a chance to add one more notch. And we'll talk about the women in a second, but to do the rare double dip, right, the men and women both going, you know, that that's a lot. But for Jake Stevens, I mean, I think it's a great story. Um if if he was able to do it, but they're also they're trying to make history. You know, no Southern Conference team has won four and four. Will the let and here's here's you know kind of what happened the last several times that teams have gotten there. As you get to the second half, you watch the jump shots, and the jump shots will be short, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're not getting the rebounds they were getting earlier. And Chattanooga does a good job of, of rotating a few guys in, playing seven or eight, but you know they've gone a majority. Uh, they're starting five a lot, you know. Furman, that's what we've talked about. That's what I thought they've been missing all these years. Now they are rotating, you know, eight guys. And, yes, yes, the top five have been getting more in the Southern Conference Tournament, but you know what? They look more fresh mm-hmm. now than they have in years past, and that's been my argument. They've been able to, to, to keep the legs, you know, a little more healthy and a little more strong as it gets going. I think Jake Stevens, who has been, you know, on the shelf, Will he look the same in the second half, you know, because he hasn't played? Or is it going to be, again, it's four games in four days and eventually wears on you? And it's just a sort of the fact. And I'll be curious to see, you know, in the long run, you know, what did Dan Earl do with the team? Is it immediately get off your feet, you guys stay in the bed, you know, try to get as much rest and, you know, hydration as you can? And I think it'll be a good game. Uh, all things pointed to begin the year, if you would have said chat and firm and chip chip yep. game, I probably would have said that's a heck of a game. Yeah, and it turns out it's a 
a roundabout way of getting there, but it's Furman and Chad again. So I think it'll be uh, an outstanding game. I think it's just the the four and four. I think is going to catch up to Chad. I think it would be um, a great story. I'm not saying I'm pulling for it, but it'd be a great story if Dan Earl, who made the jump from BMI to stay in the league to give himself a better chance to win, to bring the best player with him, Jake Stevens, who was missing time to come out and get it. And I think again, it would be a storybook ending for Chattanooga and for Jake Stevens, who I think has been a tremendous player and a class act throughout his whole whole entire career. And so we'll just have to see how it plays out tonight. I I appreciate how taxing that had to be for you to admit. I mean, I'm vomiting a little bit right now. I mean, it's it's not – it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's part of me because it's the matchup it is, and I've already seen it last year, is part of the reason why I'm not going. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if it was – That's fair. That's fair. If it was I get it. somebody else in there, I you know, if it was Western and Chad, I would have gone. If it was, oh, that'd be great. I would have I would have enjoyed that. I mean, I would have enjoyed you know maybe Western and Wofford a little more, and then go for uh, you know Western mm-hmm. to break the the, the jinx that they've mm-hmm. had since I guess the was that late nineties, right? Frankie King led them to a to a championship. I mean, and, listen, if they're gonna beat ETSU three times in one year, make it pay off in a title. Yes. Yeah. I uh, make it pay off because that does. That's something that I. I don't think that's ever happened, has it? Before this year, has it ever happened? Three times in one year. Uh, has it ever happened? I'd have to look. I mean, it, there's a lot of. There's a lot. Lot. I mean, David. Uh, you know, David's going to go sixteen and one or fifteen and one a lot and win the championships. I'd have. To, I'd have to do more research on that. Uh, well, I mean, ETSU went sixteen and one in regular season, then won three straight, and they would have played in the title game. Was Chattanooga and they swept Chattanooga three? No, I mean, has Western Carolina ever beaten ETSU? Never. Okay, that's what I was saying. I'm trying to block that out. No, that's never happened. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, like, if you're going to do that. Can I tell you this, though? You're going to do that, make it pay off in a title. Western Carolina, first time ever they they won three, but they're also 3-0 all-time versus ETSU in the quarterfinals. So as as much as ETSU has, like, a 45-game advantage in the all-time series, Mm -hmm. Western is four and two in a Southern Conference tournament, a winning record against ETSU. Interesting. And three and zero oh in the quarterfinals. So Very that that you know some sometimes you know stats stats can lie to you, but sometimes you know you, you've got a pattern. Um, yeah, I know that the last time ETSU's women beat Chattanooga in the SoCon tournament was in two thousand five, and that was when ETSU was the eight and Chat was the one. Yes. And that correct. was in Chattanooga. As a matter of fact, they played in the old know. gym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because the men's tournament was going on. That's back, again, when they had 12, 12 teams or was it 11? I'm trying to remember the years. Anyways, it was either 12 or 11 at that time. Uh, it was 05, so, so Davidson would have been in. I think Sanford was about to e- join but didn't join yet. Elon was already in, so Elon they were there. In. And it was last year of ETSU in the league. I want to say they probably had the full 12-team field. So they were having to play four games – the roundhouse and four games in the old gym uh, for two days. And then the women, the next round, the semifinals, went over to the roundhouse and ETSU lost in overtime to Georgia Southern. Otherwise, they would have had a shot at being in the championship game. And that actually started the run where the next year ETSU was able to use the momentum that they got the championship game and yep. Dothan and lost. And the next year they were able to win it. So, uh, yeah, little, yeah, look at a little history lesson we had. Yeah, how game. about that? You want to just yeah, we're gonna transition right into the women's basketball side. I just, I just, I just want to give me a chance to write down a time, so that again, if people 
just don't like men's basketball. Anyone here women's basketball? We got that covered. Yes, time stamped. Stamp it. Stamp it. Stamp it. Stamp the time now. Stamp. Time stamp. 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 Time stamp. 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 Yes. Okay. All right. I'll just go see how long you're going to go with that. No. Uh, no. The bed was about to run out, so I was done. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know where to – uh, I mean, two points in the second quarter. That's, that's basically all we need to talk about. Uh, there was a 10-minute span where they scored five points total. So I guess it would really be more like a 12-minute span where they scored five points I mean, total. at one point, ETSU led 14-10. Raven Thompson hit a buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter, and I didn't really think anything of it. It's like – Okay, well, ETSU's still up by one. And then Chattanooga just took off like a rocket. And uh, I am glad that uh, Chattanooga beat Wofford because the right kind of team and the way they're constructed, I think, won the Southern Conference, a team that's built and you, on... And you needed Chattanooga to win that game after, I the, did, after I did. the brow beating. Although, uh, apparently, Sean Poppy said something across the way to Brenda Mock Brown that I didn't really appreciate. I didn't find out about that until after the fact but because I couldn't hear it through my headset. But, um, yeah, that was that was uncalled for. Um, but, anyway, um, the right kind of team won. A team that was built on fundamental basketball, defense, Precise execution, use every part of the shot clock, patient, meticulous, and just overall solid. Were they deep? No. Lord, no, they weren't deep. Uh, I think all of their starters played north of 30 minutes in that game against ETSU. And I don't know, I I haven't even looked at the box score for Wofford. But that is a, a lot. Is a lot of minutes logged by the starters throughout the season, and they handled it really well. They hadn't played games on consecutive days all year. They came out; they were the better team. Uh, the offensively, ETSU looked frustrated and disconnected, and just did not play well. Flat uh, out, didn't play well. Four minutes out of the bench in the championship game for Chattanooga. Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. And overall. Uh, I think the team that just played the best basketball, the best fundamental basketball with the classic fundamental principles of the sport rather than let's take a bunch of threes. Sometimes they go in. We're going to score more points than you. Defense is optional. That kind of thing. Those t- There are a lot of those teams in the SOCON and having one of those teams represent the SOCON in the NCAA tournament would make me sad. I didn't watch any basketball Sunday because ETSU lost. Both teams were out, and I, I take try to take a day off, so I can only go off the stats. But when Helen Matthews gets twenty four shots for Wofford, <sighs> Rachel Rose gets nine. Hatton's one for seven. That's defense right there. That's that's defense forcing uh, them into right. their second that and third and brilliant. fourth and fifth choices. Look, uh, that's that's brilliant in the championship game. And great execution to – and, again, you know, Matthews had 25. But if you were telling me to pick my poison between Rose, Carmen, and Hatton, and you tell me Helen Matthews is going to leave him in score, and I'm thinking I'm going to win the basketball game if I'm a coach. And 
Raven Thompson, another impressive performance, 19 points out of eight from the line. Wazira Dean just continues to hit big threes when they need them. Uh, it's really kind of her game. So, uh, but going back to the ETSU women's, I mean, what an outstanding year. The good win against Samford. Although, again, the last three, four games, I think offensively things were a little challenging. And 40 points against Chad, obviously wasn't going to get it done. But three of 22 for Foley and Thomas, I just would have thrown, you know, not that I'm allowed to throw money on something, but I would have just called people crazy if they would have told me that was what they would end up in any game, let alone, you know, one of the bigger games. And it wasn't like there were bad shots. It wasn't like they weren't hitting the rim. I mean, these shots were like rattling and rolling and popping out. And it, it sometimes that happens. Some of them were, and then then it got into the point where there you were had like, to force shots at some point. Yeah, and there were just four or five travels, and they look they they looked like honestly for one of the few games this year where it looked like they kind of got in their own heads. And, and there and, were more travels in that game called than any other game this year. And they were all travels. That's the thing is they were all travels. Uh, they were all, you know, dropping the, the yes, you know, taking the not, extra step before the dribble drive, all that stuff. I was not banging on the official. Let me clarify that. Sorry, Keith, go ahead. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not crying. I'm no, I, I, know trapped, what you, I know exactly what you're saying, though. As I was like, it's, there's, there wasn't one that you looked at and go, well, that's not a travel. And usually that's the way it is, right? The, the ones that are they're, – they're going to they're gonna call fewer travels than there are. The player tends to get the benefit of the doubt when they get called for steps. And um, like it's just – it just worked out that way where players were, you know, taking an extra step before they, they dribbled the ball on the dribble drive or they were moving their pivot foot or – uh, just, just other a bunch of stuff that um, you don't normally see from ETSU with that level of 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 frequency. With that frequency, you don't really see that from the Bucks or haven't seen that most of the year. And that time, that game, uh, Murphy was sitting on the end of the bench. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. I think the other thing for Chat, they executed. Probably out of six trips, five beautiful backdoor passes for layups, and they were all with like four or five, right. maybe even th- maybe even fewer seconds on the shot clock. It was really well done. Ran the shot clock, ran the play set, ran the play set. Bam, backdoor layup. Bam, backdoor layup. Somebody hit a three. Backdoor layup. Backdoor. Layup. I mean, it was a clinic at one point, and ETSU tried to switch some things and just. I mean, again, I just I credit chat sometimes. There are things where you can explain stuff away, and sometimes you, you just have to admit you got beat. And I think that's pretty much what the – and as, as much as – again, I almost threw it in my mouth again – just to admit that Chattanooga just beat you, and that's exactly what happened on that. And in a you know a four-day period for them, they played three really good games. Uh, they struggled a little bit early in the first game, had to come from behind uh, to win – uh, their quarterfinal matchup, which was a little bit, um, Furman did a nice job in the first half. Played with a lot of a lot of adrenaline, and used a lot of momentum just with energy. And then towards the end of the third quarter, Wazirdine hit a couple of threes, and then all of a sudden you felt it kind of turn. And then start of fourth quarter, Chattanooga on like an eight nothing run, and you looked over Furman's bench, you knew it was over at that point. And after yeah. that, that fourth quarter, where they were really really good, they rode that momentum. For an entirety 
maybe a little bit of a slow first quarter, but the other three quarters, they were dominant. And then for most of that other game in the championship against Wofford, they were dominant as well. So, you know, we knew that the women's was kind of up in the air. We knew there were many teams that could win it. Chat was certainly one of those. But Chat had not beaten Wofford. You know, we talk about beating teams three times. Chat um, had lost a couple to Wofford. They got a third chance, and they yep. were able to overcome that with a big win. Yeah, um, and it's really unfortunate. But still, even with the that that being the note on which their tournament run ended, and, and let me be clear, um, I do not anticipate that that is the end of ETSU's season. I don't think it can end like that. Could it have ended on a 69-67 loss? Yeah, maybe, possibly. But I don't think it could end that way. I don't think that's the way that this team deserves to go out, frankly. So I would not be the least bit shocked to see them uh, pop up in a, another postseason tournament. Obviously not the NCAA tournament, but um, they are higher than Wofford in the net. Wofford, I believe, has an automatic bid to the WNIT because they were the number one seed in the SOCON tournament. Uh, and ETSU beat Wofford twice, ranked above them in the net. Does that help them get into that tournament? I don't know. Uh, the WBI is certainly, I think, would court a team that's had the success that ETSU has had. Uh, and would like to get them to that. And that's three games minimum. Uh, everybody's guaranteed three games. You play it in all in Lexington, Kentucky at, I think it's Transylvania University. It is. Yep. Yeah. So it's not at UK. You don't play anything in the rub or anything like that. It's all Transylvania. Uh, that's um, that's certainly, I think, something that, that would have some merit for this team, especially when you have so many players that are set to come back. Neve Brown, Kendall Foley, Ja'Kiah Davis, and Courtney Moore, four of the five starters for ETSU this year, all have multiple years of eligibility remaining. You have uh, two years left for Sarah Thompson. You have three years left for Megan Downing and Journey McDaniel, who were part of your rotation. Um, you have an opportunity to maybe get Jalea Cotton some more minutes. And hey, if she if you go play three games and she plays a total of like 50 minutes, that's valuable for her. So there there are a lot of reasons I think for this team to want to play postseason basketball, whether it's because of the additional practices, the additional game time, opportunities for young players, uh, or just in general, we want to end our season on a higher note than a 29-point loss in the semifinals where we know we could have played better. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, it's all about expectations. There are no expectations coming in the year. And because there's so yeah. many returners, I think it makes sense to play in those. Now, if you're the year before, you're coming off a tournament, um, NCAA, and then, you you know, you're maybe picked to win it, and you're kind of in the you know top three, but then you lose in the semis, and, you know, there's a lot of people leaving. Or I, I think there's yeah. a different feel. I, I think there are right times to play in those, and I think there are times you should pass and not play in those. Agreed. 100% agree. There's still a lot to be worked out. You know, they still have to be invited to, to play, right? It's not like you just get a, to, to pick. I think, obviously, dollars are involved. You know, what yep. type of money does it cost to play in these? Because the WBI is great, but they want you to kick in some money to play in that. So I think that's going to uh, – playing to it as well but if the numbers are right and they can get extra time in for everything keith just said absolutely it, this year it makes 100 percent plus again 
for some of the ladies, they've been through a lot in the last couple of years. Why not give them a reward for one of the best seasons in the history of the school? With still a chance with one more win, right, to, to set the school record for most all-time wins? Yeah, they've tied the record and just unbelievably proud of all of them. They're all great kids, uh, great leadership. Uh, I think the fact that, you know, there have been – there are always going to be, like, little things that pop up over the course of a season – but this team hasn't really had any serious friction and and anything that they've had, they've been able to largely work through. Um, this group was all just super mature about being thrown into the deep end of a really difficult situation with uh, a coaching change in a very short amount of time before the start of the year. Your head coach is hired 88 days before your your first game action in the exhibition. I just I look at that and I say, how can you not be proud of this group? How can you not be extremely proud of this group as as someone who is an ETSU partisan, whether you're in the fans, whether you work for the school, you cover the team in some shape, form, or fashion. Um, you know, as a as a if you are somebody that has a rooting interest in ETSU athletics, I think you have to be extremely proud of the product and the effort that the players put in, uh, the work that the coaches did to to help this team get to where they could be. And um, just I, I will I will think of this team fondly for a really long time. Do us, this is one of the best teams that I've been around in terms of like their attitude, in terms of the 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 work that they put in and the the just the general buy-in that they have. Do want to mention that Jakai Davis did make second team all tournament. Good for J Bo. So she uh, was awesome on Thursday. I mean, awesome as a screener with the ball in her hands, finisher at the rim, defensively on Angula fact, and she really like it. It frustrated her a little bit. She had to pick her spots against Susie and Gulafak on when to get physical because she didn't want to get in foul trouble. So there were a couple times where she made the business decision to let her go when she got beat instead of trying to go up and swat the ball and get called for a foul, swing it over the back of a player. And it it ate her up. But at the same time, that's the reason that she ended up with 20 and 10 is because she was willing to make that sacrifice every so often and just come back next possession down the floor, be better, front the catch, don't let her get to the basketball. And that's how you you stand out to your coaches and your teammates on defense. All right. Uh, so we got a game plan Wednesday. Uh, we're going to start a little bit. We'll, I'm sure it'll be about time for Porter to watch. Basketball. Actually, you want to hit it right now? Uh, I got I got, a, I got, a couple for you. Let me see what number Porter watches. You want, you want, to, you want to open the portal? Let's op- we me, can open the portal right I now. Gotta, I got to see which portal. What 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 is portal? That one? Oh, you got to be kidding Ooh, me. It should be. No. The bit. No. No. Say what? I'm going to get it in a second. You're going to get there eventually. Get there. Great. Getting there. Getting going there. through. There, there it, is. it is. There she is. Went through like half our bumpers. I haven't labeled the new bumpers. We have a new machine. I'm not labeled the bumpers yet. 37. I'm going to write this down. 37. Because we're going to need it a lot. Portal Watch. Portal Watch. You're already opening the Portal Watch open. early. Let's go. Portal Watch. Is it you? Is in, Keith, is in Keith the Break Soka. in the portal? Who's that the is portal? a hard negative. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. I am, I am, and I mean this real talk, Jay. I'm extremely happy to be here. 
Like I really have enjoyed this season, even though we kind of got, I got, got dropped in the middle of football season. I had fun with that. I've had fun with the basketball season. It is great to be home. You're not I, frozen. I'm not frozen. I am not a, I am not a break sickle for the first time in, in a few years. Um, yeah, this is, and apparently like December was just brutal in, in North Dakota. I had to pay snow removal on the house that I just sold actually last Friday. I sold that holla, but, um, I had to pay snow removal for that. It's not cheap. It was not cheap. But anyway, um, multiple sources indicating, including uh, Jake Weingarten of StockRisers.com, a national basketball recruiting site, uh, is reporting that VMI Sean Conway intends to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Conway will enter the portal with one year of eligibility. Uh, because he has his degree from VMI, and of course VMI does not have a graduate program. Otherwise, he might have stayed. Um, also, uh, multiple reports led by Travis Branham of 24-7 Sports saying that Wofford's BJ Mack has entered the transfer portal as well. I believe Mack will also have one year of eligibility. Mack for sure, one year. I'm, I would assume Conway just one year. Conway is one. Yeah, yes, uh, Con uh, Conway is one because he didn't redshirt at all. So, yeah. Yeah, BJ had a couple years at South Florida before, two years at Wofford, so it makes sense that he would have one. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be, as it is, last year there were like 1,700 names in the portal, so there will be plenty of names. There will be plenty in the Southern Conference. We'll keep our eye out on that for who in the Southern Conference goes in the portal. We'll also keep our eye out for who has committed to Southern Conference teams because that's equally uh, I think as fun. So we got a lot of portal watch. We'll continue to do on Wednesday. We're going to start um, talking to a couple of the football coaches, right? Getting to, mm -hmm. to get those names out there. Oh, we got to talk to Dallas Dickey, Jay Galermo, and Kirk Gardner, those three. And then once we do that, we still I, I am excited to talk to Jay Guillermo. Uh, I am too. I, I love me some O-line coaches. Let's go. Well, Let's get and, fired up. And, and there, there, there is no doubt where he is from when you talk to him. He, he's got a little of that, uh, that uh, Tobacco Road, Carolina twang to him uh, when when you, you know, he grew up in North Carolina except for his junior, senior year, high school. Played at he, Maribel, he went right? Went to Maribel. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then in Clemson, so you got that, that accent fit in pretty good there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Virginia, so. the wine and cheese crowd. We'll have to ask him about that on how he how he fit in there. Uh, but we'll do that. But we'll, we got to talk to Brendan Mark Brown about this outstanding year. And then we'll talk to some of the, the spring coaches, right? We're not going to forget our sports there. I already kind of talked to Ricky Rojas about it. I talked to Jake Amos about it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll roll through the spring. Joe Panucci, uh, Cheryl Milligan, the softball coach. Uh, you know, uh, who am I up against? It's Stephanie Shelton, Martin, uh, Tennis, uh, Stigwartz. So we'll get all those in there, and uh, we'll be talking all that. So even though – basketballs and a little bit of lux or flux we're getting out of here there's also the signing day for basketball coming up in yeah. april as well so we'll have to talk about that uh spring game that's april 1st we'll be talking about that so there's plenty of jay and keith you don't have to just take uh you know go in hibernation until uh, the fall uh, do you we'll do that we'll do that at the end of may i think once yeah. we get conference baseball tournament yeah, we'll, we'll get you know we'll, we'll we'll get to where there's a good stopping ground. Where we get where it struggles to 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 get content, you know, we'll probably take a break or you know maybe we'll in May we may go to to one or two 
days or something instead of the normal three. But again, a lot to talk about. We're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, other than I'm not going to Asheville. That'd be the other thing I'm going to take. I am also not going to Asheville. You wouldn't go anyways. You hate basketball. You hate everything. I will say, man, you, the, the weather coming back was dicey on Friday. I came back Friday afternoon after the game, and I'm glad I came back in daylight because the water was standing up on 26. It was raining so hard. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess I left about an hour probably before you did, and it got bad right as I got into John City, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, and then I got to, Johnson, I got to like, Irwin, and it was fine, and then I got to Johnson City and it started raining again, and then I got home and it was fine again. It was like golden hour. Appalachian golden hour is gorgeous, by the way. I do love it. Appalachian golden hour. Like yeah. yeah. After a storm, sunset, yeah. Yeah. hitting the willow trees or whatever trees you got. I got a willow tree. <laughs> I got a willow tree across from my house out the front window, so I love it. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's show. We'll be back Wednesday with another edition of Jane Keith on the Buccaneers World Network. Chattanooga's going to win tonight. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Kevin doesn't think so. <laughs>